Hello world, my name is Don, and you're watching Showcase for the week ending Sunday, July 31, 2022. Stop the presses, this is our Sunday show, and once again, that means weird headlines and your live chat comments. Good to see you again, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Don't forget to hit that like button and the subscription bell, and as always, if you're with me live, feel free to drop a line in the live chat, and I might read it off on the air. We're also simulcasting live on Instagram at Weekend Showcase, so if you prefer that, we can go ahead and set that up for you as well. Um, as far as like places to drop comments and such. I try to pay attention to both places. But anyway, let's move on. So first item on the docket for today, we have uh, a thing from ladbible, ladbible.com. Company is planning real life Jurassic Park. Oh, excuse me, hang on. I can't believe I forgot to turn the ringer off. There we go. So there's a weird advert that seems to be completely in the way here. I'm going to try to magnify this, but I don't think it's going to let me. Well, it says company is planning real life Jurassic Park woolly mammoths. Uh, sorry, company is planning real life Jurassic Park with woolly mammoths brought back to life, which, as we all know, is always a fantastic idea because that's going to involve heavy amounts of cloning and messing with genomes and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like we've had decades worth of science fiction deliberately discouraging us from doing so. But oh well, I guess science has to, you know, science got us science, I suppose. It's becoming increasingly apparent that we need to take decisive action to tackle climate change and what could be more decisive than bringing back woolly flipping mammoths, the story says. Of course, we can all play our part by living as sustainably as, as we can, but walking to work and recycling bean tins is ex as exciting as bringing back those big hairy elephants. I mean, is it the... I wouldn't have framed it that way. I thought the point was to sort of curb climate change. If you're presenting the, if you're presenting the context for this in that way, I thought that was the point. Not just do something that's exciting, you know, that we can sort of get away with doing because it can be spun as fighting climate change. I don't, I don't get that. The idea is that mammoths, as with as with elephants, are particularly adept at bashing down forests, which might not sound conducive to helping climate change but it could create large grasslands in the tundra of Siberia, which could help to preserve the permafrost beneath which huge, huge amounts of harmful gases and carbon are stored. The project is the brainchild of Colossal, a company that wants to bring thousands of woolly mammoths back into the world in the not so distant future. And uh, I guess this is the, uh, these, these are the two guys, these are the two of the people in charge of the Colossal project, Ben Lamb to the left and George Church uh, to the right here, according to the context at the, the little context text tag at the bottom of the picture here. Uh, yeah, this is this is not something that uh, I, <laughs> I know this is normally the sort of thing that I would say on Friday night, but this is the sort of thing that strikes me as a thumbs down sort of thing for what should be obvious reasons. It's weird that we're actually having these kinds of conversations about seriously sort of <laughs> under the auspices of curbing climate change. This is the sort of thing that you would do to sort of like undo uh, a, a species extinction due to humans involvement you know in in destroying their habitat or whatever basically climate change strikes me as a similar and relevant but completely different problem i i'm, I'm not sure that singling out one particular species would necessarily do the job um i mean it was talking about preserving permafrost i get that i've read other scientific articles about uh, the dangers involved in imminent in permafrost melting um, you can probably Google that up on your own if you're if you're so inclined. But anyway, I don't know. That's 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 that seems a little bit strange to me. But I don't know. What do you guys think about it? If you think this is a good idea, sound off in the comments below. Uh, happy to be proven wrong as always. 
Um, let's be, uh, let's move on to the next item on the docket here. And once again, this and all our other topics for tonight and every Weird News show are listed in the comments section, or sorry, in the description down below underneath this video if you want to take a look at these links for yourselves after the fact. This next one is from thedodo.com. Rescue Rabbit, the size of a dog, is looking for someone to love all of her. This was published uh, Friday, July 29th, when the R P RSPCA got a call about several rabbits who weren't being cared for properly. The rescue sent a team of officers out to investigate, and when they got there, they couldn't believe their eyes. It's a lot of bunnies. <laughs> Not only were 47 rabbits being kept in small, cramped, filthy conditions, oh God, but the rabbits were also Flemish giants, so a lot of them were absolutely huge. The largest of the bunch weighed in at around 18 pounds and was the same size as a medium-sized dog, such as a Jack Russell, Russell Terrier or King Charles Spaniel. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a really big bunny. That's a really big bunny. Can you imagine the size of those poops? I shudder to think about, <laughs> I shudder to think how much, how much pooping, uh, that, that size animal would be, would be capable of doing. Uh, the rabbits were much too big to be kept in the cages they were living in and just weren't being taken care of the way they deserved in general. Once they were rescued, they were all looked over by a vet to make sure they were okay health-wise. Well, that's good. Trevor Walker, an inspector with the RSPCA, said in the press release, quote, these poor rabbits were being were living in cramped and dirty conditions, which would have been very unpleasant for them, especially in the heat. Luckily, a vet found they were all in good condition. One is on medication for weepy eyes and a wound on the back of his neck. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. OK, so. All right. I'm going to go ahead and frame this in a personal context. When I was a kid, I used to have a pet rabbit. Um, I actually have more than one. And <laughs> that was the that was my first pet, and I, I vividly I have vivid and fond memories of um of those animals, and it, it's just it's one of those things where, you know, whenever you see items in the news like this about um animals being treated poorly, you know, it always kind of it hits you, and if you happen to have had one of those animals as well, especially during your formative years, at least it strikes me that. It, it hits a little bit harder, you know, because the context of it hits closer to home. Like you can, you've been responsible for the love and care of this type of animal, you know, like life is life, broadly speaking, of course, we all know this. Um, I don't know. It's just the idea of, you know, rabbits, cats, and dogs, you know, because I've had all three, like they, it all stings when you hit, when you see about, when you see things in the news about, you know, animals being um, in, in, subpar living conditions and not being taken care of properly, but it it hits a little bit harder when it's a species that you're familiar with what it takes to care for them and love them properly. It's, yeah, but anyway, um, that's just my personal opinion on that. Um, these opinions do not necessarily reflect that if we can showcase yada, 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 all the other fine print that we put down in the description below, along with the link to this particular story and all the other topics that we've discussed that we've got uh, that we've got on the docket tonight. Once again, thanks so much for tuning into our weird news coverage stream live on YouTube as well as on Instagram. We're still broadcasting at Weekend Showcase. Feel free to drop me a comment in either place here on YouTube or on Instagram, and um, I'll be happy to drop it to include it in the broadcast here as we roll along. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It looks like ten or eleven other topics to go. Uh, before the top of the hour so we'll have plenty of time to be able to get everybody's feedback in like miss d over here the size of the rabbit poops lol but at least they'd be hard and easy to clean up 
Yeah, that's true. But you got to give it a minute, though. And depending on what the rabbit has eaten, you know, it, it might take a moment for the for the poops to sort of solidify. And, you know, the smell, you don't want that baking into the carpet. And enjoy your meal, ladies and gentlemen. That is what I'm saying. Those of you who happen to be having dinner at six o'clock on the East Coast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just now realizing after the fact that was probably an unnecessary amount of description there. But anyway, let's move on. Point made, Ms. D, point made. And thank you for watching and commenting. Let's move on to the next item on the docket here. Get out of my face. What is that? Please. Okay, next item is from Newsweek. This is toddler with wild hair diagnosed with rare syndrome. Okay, this was published on Thursday, I believe. Yeah, Thursday. Um, and there's a video attached here. Oh, that's not related to this. Never mind. Okay, a toddler with an epic mop has been diagnosed as one of only 100 people in the world with, and this is in quotations, uncombable hair syndrome. Layla Davis, age 17 months, has blonde locks that defy all attempts to comb them straight. Mom Charlotte Davis, age 28, said her daughter has officially been diagnosed with uncombable hair syndrome, or UHS. They actually have an acronym for this. A condition characterized by dry, frizzy hair that cannot be combed flat. That's fascinating, actually. Here's a photograph. Wow, that's okay. <laughs> this looks like the poor kid, like, I, I don't know, you know, the cartoon reaction to this is like sticking your finger in an electric outlet or like um, had way too much fun with a with a with a balloon. You know what I mean? Where you just like rub it on your shirt or something or or while you're sort of like scuffing across a, a thick carpet or something. And then you use the static electricity. You know, and I guess if you do that enough, it can sort of like stay in that position longer. That's kind of where my mind goes with this. But um, let's see. We have, oh, we have a comment from Staff ZX. This is about the last story. Uh, when I lived in the country, I had a black rabbit that took a lot of care. On a side note, carrots aren't as good for them as Bugs Bunny wants you to think. It's like a person eating candy. Well, hmm. I, I, I take your point there. Yeah, and I remember reading something about that way back in the day. Um, we we <laughs> we always give them like special like food pellets. Obviously, is what you're supposed to give them, but um, or at least we did back when I was a little kid, and that's what, what that's what we gave pet rabbits. Um, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. I might have to ask my mother about this. I don't think we ever actually gave them carrots. I don't remember, but anyway, I do know that uh, carrots, as we all know, are are fantastic for people. Fortunately, especially those of us who happen to basically do our living in front of LED monitors all day. You know, the, the lutein, the special nutrient in, um, or mineral, excuse me, I think it's a mineral, lutein is, uh, is found in large quantities in carrots. And so like carrots are really good to help sort of um, maintain the health of your eyes. So at least that's, uh, that was my last understanding of that. Feel free to back and to do your own research on that as well. L-U-T-E-I-N is how that's spelled, lutein. But anyway, back to this topic. Uh, UHS, uncombable, ha uncombable hair syndrome, I almost said it wrong, develops in childhood, often between infancy and age three, but it can appear as late as 12. Children who develop it tend to have light-colored hair. Okay, noted. Um, well, yeah, this is, this is one of those things that, this, this is weird, but like, it's, it's explainable. It's one of those things that it doesn't really, the weirdness of this particular topic doesn't really strike me as Holy crap, this is weird. It's one of those things where if you really sort of think it through, it makes, you can come up with scenarios that actually make a kind of sense to explain why this is possible, at the very least in the very immediate term. You know, like if you do that enough, like your hair might take a little bit of extra time to sort of de-staticize, possibly, theoretically. I'm not an expert on that. I'm just saying like, that's where my thought process goes. 
feel free to take that with a grain of salt. Um, I don't know, but anyway, but that is an amusing photograph though. Um, brain spaz comments. Wow, that's some wild hair. <laughs> hey, brain spaz, welcome back. Thanks for watching. Um, yeah, this is uh, that's basically all I can say about that. You know, it's it's explainable. It's weird, but it's not unexplainable weird. So that's all there is to that. Let's move on. Next item is from Business Insider, or I guess Insider. This is, I guess, the business section of insider.com. So a Colorado man got a 12 by 12 inch. Sorry. Ah, geez. This stupid uh, thing is in the way. A 12 by 12 inch back tattoo of the new Subway Series logo, earning him free sandwiches for life. Wow. Okay. So for those, get this out of my way, please. Thank you. So for those who aren't familiar, um, the the sub sandwich chain Subway, they had they had started a thing recently called Subway Series. I don't remember exactly what the menu um, options consist of, basically, but it's a they they get, they give you a special sort of like uh, selection of customized sort of starting points for different sub configurations and flatbread configurations and such. Um, I don't know why they're doing that in July, though. This sounds like the sort of thing that maybe one should probably do a little bit closer to, I guess, September, maybe? Late August, early September? Like, you know, kickoff of the NFL season, maybe? I don't know. That's just my thought process there. I don't know why they would do this in the middle of summer. Like, but whatever. Like, have we even started preseason yet? I don't think we have. But I guess there you go. We were just going to go ahead and put that iconography out there just so that's already sort of like in motion as far as marketing is concerned, you know, for when the preseason, when sports seasons actually really do kick off again, above and beyond, obviously, baseball. Um, anyway, here we go. A Colorado man has won free Subway Central Life. Here we go. Subway recently introduced its new Subway series menu, which consists of 12 new sandwiches sold as is. There you go. The launch marks the company's biggest menu overhaul in its history and is a big departure from the customization that made the chain popular. Okay, so don't bother making your subs you know, to, uh, to order anymore, just go ahead and you can do that. But then also here's a dozen options where we already know exactly how you're expecting them to be made just by saying like, give me a number six, give me a number eight or whatever. Just be straight up fast food about it, basically. Okay. So to celebrate Subway hosted a block party event in Las Vegas on Wednesday, where fans could get a tattoo of the new Subway series logo to earn free sandwiches for a month, a year, or a lifetime, depending on its size and location on the body. Wow. So even long after this particular style of marketing is rendered obsolete or defunct or whatever, you know, you still have this tattoo. You still have this freaking billboard on your body for life, basically, until you go through the expense and pain involved in having it actually removed, which, oh, my goodness. Right. I, I, I don't know. James Coons of Fort Collins, Colorado, jumped at the chance. He got a 12 by 12 inch tattoo of the logo on his back, upper back, judging by the picture earning him footlongs for life awarded in the form of $50,000 in Subway gift cards. Mr. D in the, or sorry, Ms. D in the, in the comments feed on YouTube says, OMG, he really wanted to win those subs. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's definitely the takeaway from this. I mean, and this particular, this image right here, that's, that, that just basically goes without saying. Um, $50,000. So I guess the question to those of you watching, those of you at home, would you do something like this for that kind of money? We're talking $50,000 to have a billboard, essentially, tattooed on your body of this size permanently. And, you know, that's basically, that's basically it. 
$50,000. And don't forget, that's that $50,000 is in the form of gift cards. Like, you know, the, the lifetime subs that you get for doing this, that's in the form of gift cards with a fixed value to it. We don't get political on the show. I'm not trying to go down that road. I just want to bring up to make this point. We are living in an age of pretty serious inflation right now. So the relative value of that $50,000 can fluctuate depending on how much further down this path we wind up going economically. So that $50,000 and the relative value of that tattoo that you put on yourself might significantly decrease over time. So I don't know if that's a good idea. I can't imagine doing that myself, but um, I could be wrong in my logic. I don't know. What about you? Those of you at home, uh, what do you think? Is this something that you would do? Or is, uh, is this guy basically one inch short of a foot long, I guess is the right sort of punchline to put there as we move on. <laughs> so anyway, for further reading on this and all of our topics tonight, don't forget all of our links are in the description for this video down below. Thanks so much for watching Weird News on Weekend Showcase right now, live on YouTube and on Instagram at Weekend Showcase. We're simulcasting in both places. Feel free to drop a comment in either spot and I'll try and include it on the chat like with our good friend Staff ZX over here. Absolutely not. Subway's good, but it's not that good. Still leaves you hungry 20 minutes later. <laughs> Ms. D follows up. Steps the X, right? <laughs> or right? Exclamation, 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 I guess. Um, definitely plus winning Staff the X. And I've got to agree with uh, Staff the X as well there. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 you know, it's one of those things that depending on what you prefer to get from there, if that's a thing that you get, yeah, that can happen. You know, it's just, it's, it can be more filling than, um, or it can be less filling in the long run then would ultimately sort of, I guess, justify the cost again, sort of factoring inflation and all that sort of thing. But I mean, if you're hungry and you're not in the mood for fast food, you know, or at least what the kind of restaurants that people think of. And when you say a term fast food, then maybe that's up your alley. I don't know. It's up to you as a consumer. Don't take my word for anything um, along these lines, trying to be impartial <laughs> uh, anyway. So let's uh, let's move on. Once again, these comments do not necessarily reflect that of Weekend Showcase. All right, moving on. I have to say that in case we get you know an opportunity to work with Subway. Moving on, let's let's talk about uh, the next post. Uh, this next article, which is from Huff Post, Huffington Post, Spain's prime minister suggests ditching neckties to save energy. Hmm. I don't follow this at all. I don't follow this. So let me read that again. Spain's prime minister suggests ditching neckties to save energy. So just don't wear a necktie. You just show up at the office basically basically like this, you know, with your button down, no necktie, and that's supposed to cut down on energy costs. What? Fight climate change or something? I don't I don't follow that. Um Sp Spanish prime minister Pedro Sanchez has asked government officials and people working in the private sector to save energy by giving up wearing neckties at work. Appearing in a news conference in an open-necked white shirt and blue jacket, Sanchez explained he had dressed less formally, not formally, not as a nod to the casual Friday custom, but to curb utility use, presumably air conditioning, but he did not spell that out. I'd like you to, quote, I'd like you to note that I am not wearing a tie. That means we can all make savings from an energy point of view. Uh, end quote. The prime minister said at the news conference called to summarize his government's annual performance. I still don't see where the the justification in this, like how does, okay, if you're talking about this from the standpoint of, um, if you're talking about this from the standpoint of basically 
saving on not just energy costs, but water costs. You know, I get that, but I just don't see how that really sort of factors in really. Um, like how much how much energy and water does does one necktie save? How many neckties would someone have to have sort of in their regular rotation to justify, you know, taking that out of their, I guess, their their daily fashion regimen, for lack of a better way to put it. I don't I don't follow that um really. Let me see. What is with this thing? Good grief. Oh wow. Sorry, I got a weird sort of thing happening on my uh screen here. That's very strange. Huh. Okay. Oh well. Anyway. Sorry. Um Let's see. Rising energy costs for households and businesses in Spain has been a major issue in recent months, especially since the Russian invasion of Ukraine in February. Sanchez said the government would present a new energy saving plan next week, but he gave no details. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess that basically sort of is one element of it, I suppose. Just don't wear neckties. I guess that's supposed to be part of it. I don't know. That doesn't seem like enough. I may be real reading um, not enough into this. Um, let's see. I don't know. Staff ZX commenting on our YouTube page. Here's an idea for saving energy. Just use water power or solar energy. So there are arguments for and against both, believe it or not. Um, yeah, there's, there are arguments against, against solar. Yeah, there are arguments against wind. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and go into that. That's not what we cover here, but, um, further research, if you want to do further research on that, um, feel free. It's, it's, I hesitate to hang my hat in, in one on one rung or on the next or one hook or the next necessarily one hook or the other necessarily. But um, it just it just seems to me that well common sense is like you know we do need to make some adjustments and we do need to sort of figure out a good sort of starting point that we can all agree on is the right thing to do in the name of making the kind of adjustments that we need to make to help ensure that we still have a planet. But um, in terms of how we get there, I don't know. I hope someday soon we can come up with a, a, a doable sort of strategy that doesn't strike so many people as divisive or controversial or, or, or at the very least is so easily debatable because we have come across something that we can all agree on, you know, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's just, that's just a portion of my two cents on that. I don't want to go too far into that. Uh, for reasons I've already stated. So um, let's go ahead and move on to the next topic. If you want to read further into this or any other topics we've discussed tonight, feel free to check the description down below. We've got links to everything listed for your convenience. Uh, let's, and once again, thank you, StabZX, for the comment. Let's move on. Next item is from Associated Press. Polish Institute classifies cats as alien invasive species. What? Polish Institute classifies cats as an alien invasive species. Okay, um, I don't know about this. A respected Polish scientific institute has classified domestic cats as an invasive alien species, citing the damage they cause to birds and other wildlife. Isn't that just, isn't that just sort of the food chain combined with genetic memory? You know, because like, wild cats you know that you know cats animals that are in the cat family genetically speaking that have not been domesticated that's what they go after right birds fish right we kind of know this mice right i don't know i don't know why this is sort of 
striking anybody as this is alien behavior. I don't get that. Um, let's see. Woj, oh my goodness, I can't pronounce this name. I'm sorry. Woj, W O J C I E C H. Woj, Wojcik. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm unable to pronounce that properly. That's probably wrong. Wojcik Solars. Uh, oh boy. I, apologies. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong. A biologist at the state-run Polish Academy of Sciences wasn't prepared for the disapproving public response when he entered Felis catus, the scientific name for the common house cat. Really? Really? That You're, you're kidding me. That's the actual scientific name for the domesticated cat? Felis catus. That's like saying feline twice or cat twice. That's basically what you're doing. Like, really? You have this... <laughs> So just because the animal is domesticated, you have to basically give it its own name twice and adopt that across the scientific community. That's what sets it, sets it apart from other animals in the genus. That okay. Um, anyway, I, I don't I don't get that. So but, uh, so let's see. Disapproving public response when the scientists entered the scientific name into a national database run by the Academy's Institute of Nature Conservation. The database already had 1,786 other species listed with no objections. The uproar over invasive alien species number 1,786. Wait a minute. The uproar over invasive alien species number 1,787 may have resulted from some media reports that created the false impression his institute was calling for feral and other cats to be euthanized. Okay, there are like there, there's 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 a lot of things to unpack in that sentence. Um, okay, let's 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 start with the first let's start with the first thing here. Um, the elephant in the room here seems to me to be that this organization, <laughs> this organization, has listed one thousand seven hundred eighty six other species as aliens, as invasive aliens. And they chose to add the domestic house cat as 1,787 in that same database. What on earth, or I guess rather in the universe, seemed to be the more apt question phrasing, were the other 1,786 species that the scientific community or this facet of this, this aspect, this corner of the scientific community consensus or whatever, considers to be an invasive alien. This 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 actually disturbs me. I mean, this is this is above and beyond weird news. This is bizarre news to me. I don't know. Um, let's see. Brain spaz saying cats are cool, and then uh, the cat face with a heart eyes emoji. Um, just found out that. Cat oh wait, hang on a second. Let me go ahead and put this back up here on screen while I read these comments. There we go. Uh, so cats are cute. Oh yeah, Staff ZX saying cat. Just found out that cats are responsible for over sixty species of ex for over 60 species extinctions from birds, mammals, and, rep and reptiles. But house cats, though? We're talking about ha house cats, uh, Staff. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. Um, Staff ZX also continues, cats are cute, but if you were small enough, they'd likely go after you. Sure, but... Uh, okay, Brain Spaz says, oh, that's bad, but they're just being cats. Spay and neuter them or keep them indoors irresponsible <clears throat> parenting, parenting in quotations, is to blame. Does spaying and neutering calm down their urge to kill little things? 
Yeah, spaying and neutering. Thanks for thank you for the comments, uh, Staff ZX and Brainspaz. Spaying and neutering that seems to me to be the sort of thing to discourage uh, random procreation. You know, when the animal's in heat, I I don't think there's anything to that necessarily pertaining to the animal's sort of urge to hunt. You know, the primal urge to hunt, the primal urge to track, the primal urge to kill small animals. You know. Or, or small critters or whatever, smaller than itself, you know. And if you're talking about a domesticated cat, which we are here in this particular topic, the list of candidates is relatively small. I mean, you, just just logically. I mean, you, you've got to be dealing with, first of all, just when you're thinking about in terms of accessibility, what kind of, what kind of creatures are we talking about that the house cat would be necessarily prone to go after inside the home. I mean, you know, Tweety Bird is cute in the Looney Tunes cartoons, but that's pretty much all Sylvester can go after, you know, between him and, um, I guess, depending on the cartoon, I think there was, I think there were some, uh, I think there were some Speedy Gonzalez cartoons that had Sylvester way, way, way back when, although if I remember right, it was usually Daffy was the foil for him, but anyway, that's a cartoon. Um, let's see. Frank Spaz says, okay, well, spaying and neutering equals fewer cats to kill little things. Get with it, cat parents. Again, parents are in quotation. Yeah, I, again, it just strikes me as spaying and neutering is completely beside the point from what we're talking about here, as far as domesticated cats ha having such a footprint or I guess paw print on the tapestry of the natural ecosystems of the world to the point where they have to be labeled and classified an endangered species by the scientific community. I don't... I, I don't follow that logic. I don't follow really any of the logic behind this. What what, are the, what do you think, those of you at home uh, who are also watching this? Feel free to drop a comment in our chat, or if you're not with us live after the fact, drop a comment down below. We'll be happy to leave that up here and, and uh, feature that maybe in, a, in another video or reaction or something later on, maybe. We can start a discussion about that. I don't know. Uh, but that's just where I sit on it. Um, Staff ZX says, there's a lot more feral cats running free outside, constantly killing not even always eating what they hunt. Feral cats. But again, Staff, Z Staff ZX, uh, thank you for the comment. To your point, these are feral cats. Pretty much the antithesis of domesticated cats, right? A domesticated cat is by definition not feral, right? Like I'm pretty sure, I don't have another, hang on a second. Let me just, let me, let me say this correctly. Hang on. Okay, so Google defines the word feral as in a wild state, especially after escape from captivity or domestication. So literally by definition, a feral cat is non-domesticated. It's the antithesis of the domest of a domesticated cat. Uh, if anything, put a feral cat in there. I'm curious to know what an actual, what the Latin terminology, what the scientific community's little terminology that they would put in there as invasive species number or alien invasive species number 1,630, what was it, eight or nine? I guess it would be by that point. Hang on, let me scroll down a bit here. Uh, 1,788, excuse me. 1,788 would be the feral cat. <laughs> I mean, if domestic ones can be can be an invasive alien, why not feral? The ones that are actually out there doing damage to ecosystems. I don't know, that would just strike me as common sense. But anyway, once again, the opinions expressed here and do not necessarily reflect. <laughs> anyway, uh, MB says more cats equals less rats. Crying laughing emoji. Fair enough. 
Steph ZX says, but you can't always take the wild out of a cat. It's naturally programmed into their thought process or instinct, if you will. Yeah, but that can't necessarily be said about all cats, necessarily. Um, I mean, if you're talking about, for example, a cat that has been taken out of um, has been taken out of rescued from a feral environment at an early enough life or was born in, in domestic um, in a domestic setting, you know, where being taken care of domestically is basically the, the that cat's entire frame of reference, you know, they really won't have anything to compare that against. And genetics can kind of only go but so far. What we're sort of talking about now is essentially nature versus nurture. Yes, they can theoretically have it in them to do that. But if being raised and living in a domesticated environment is all they've known, at what point does their propensity for feral activity, especially outside of the home, kind of get sort of eroded away at? You know what I'm saying? Maybe I'm sort of overthinking it, but um, let's see. Brain spaz, last comment on this, then we got to move on. Brain spaz says, okay, MB, you're right. MB saying more cats equals less rats. But I just read an article praising rats as intelligent, loving pets, if you can believe that. Um, so I remember this movie called Willard that actually made a compelling case for how um, interest, how, uh, how engaging and helpful and, um, and all that sort of thing rats can be as pets or companions. But again, this is a movie. How much of this applies in real life i don't i don't i don't follow that logic necessarily brain spaz i don't know what, what you mean there but um but but thank you for the comment i appreciate the feedback let's 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 keep the conversation going Let, let's move on um let's see next item on the docket this is from the mirror britain's sweating disease which killed thousands still a mystery 500 years on those struck down by the illness were said to die within hours, and it is even thought to have killed one heir to the throne, changing history forever. Oh, wow. Wow. So this was published on The Mirror, which is a UK-based uh, publication four days ago. Sorry, three days ago. Well, sorry, it's my first time counting. <laughs> um, so while COVID infections may be soaring again in the fifth wave, 500 years ago, a very different disease was spreading its deadly tentacles across the country. Unlike coronavirus, however, this epidemic has left medical experts and historians baffled for centuries and remains unexplained to this day. Later named the, <laughs> the Picardy Sweat. Why you got to bring Patrick Stewart into this? What, what, are you, what are you doing? After its most common symptom, unlucky souls caught in its line of fire in the late 15th and 16th, early 16th centuries would break out in extreme sweating and die hours later. According to the saying, people would, quote, take ill by supper, be dead by morn, end quote. That sounds like part of a nursery rhyme, like ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Like, if I remember right, that was actually about the Black Plague. Uh, but anyway, with a 30 to 50 percent mortality rate, those who made it through the Picardy sweat um, in the first 20, who made it through that, um, the Picardy sweat in the first 24 hours alive, would usually go on to survive. So that's the, that's the cutoff point. If you have it, if you come down with this affliction, and you make it through that first full day, that first 24 hours, you have a very good chance of success. That's basically what that boils down to there. Uh, yeah, and then it kind of goes into a lot of the historical um, ramifications of this. Let's see, the sweating sickness was mainly confined to Britain due to overseas travel being much less common in the 15th century, but eventually made its way to the rest of Europe. Those struck down by the illness would start with a fever and neck pains, which would turn into vomiting and extreme chills and fever, 
it would end with acute sweating, which apparently smelled revolting. Oh my goodness. And the story also says that this, uh, this illness started in about 1485, running through Britain not long after the Black Death. So, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, this is one of those things that this 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 strikes me as weird news. I hear I hear where this is coming from. This is this is some really weird news. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I mean, what what are your theories about where this uh what what the origins or cause of this particular sweating disease, the uh, Picardy fever, where that came from? Could that be a uh, what 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 did the last topic put it? Could that be a um invasive alien species <laughs> not unlike the domestic house cat uh feel free to drop a comment down below in the live chat or in the comments feed down below and let us know what you think let's see we have some more comments this is from staff zx at brain spaz true similarly rats are actually very clean the misconception comes from the main view of them being sewer rats and not other types that always happens every couple decades there's there's some disease that affects a lot of people. Oh yeah, and that last one's talking about this topic. Yeah, um, <laughs> every couple decades, yeah, sure. Um, I don't know, it, depending on who you talk to, there's an argument that could be made for a lot of the climate change things that are happening right now sort of being either indirectly or directly responsible for the rise of different kinds of diseases that we're being afflicted with now in present day um, and what some possible root causes and solutions might be. There's a wide variety on all sides of that particular subject matter, depending on who you talk to. I won't get into all of that here, but I hear where you're coming from, StaffZX, and thank you for the comment. Uh, let's move on. We have one, two, three, four, five, six left before the top of the hour. It's about 642, 643 in the East Coast. Let's uh, move on to the next topic. <clears throat> so next item on the docket, hang on a second. I forgot to unplug my... <laughs> Alexa device, uh, come on. There we go. All right. So next item on the docket, this is from UPI. Nebraska man hits axe throwing target from 90 feet for world record. Really? A Nebraska man broke a world record by throwing an axe to a target 90 feet away at the Cornhusker State Games. Jesse Rood, age 25, a Lincoln firefighter, attempted the Guinness World Record during the opening ceremony of the Cornhusker State Games at Seacrest Field in Lincoln. Okay. Um, well, there is a YouTube video attached to this. It doesn't look like this is being sourced from the actual Guinness Records place. So theoretically, this might be something that we can, uh, that we can play. Theoretically, let's give it a shot here. Whoops. Hang on a second. I'm going to try to make this full screen for y'all. Let's take a look. Opening ceremonies of the 38th annual Cornhusker State Games were tonight. Athletes representing more than 70 sports and fans gathered at Seacrest Field to soak in all the excitement. The night was full of activity from watching skydivers jump from 23,000 feet and land with ease onto the field to members of the Husker softball team giving the annual oath of athletes to watching history be made for one local firefighter. 25-year-old Jesse Rood broke the world record for axe throwing. Rood was a baseball player in high school and got into axe throwing because he worked at Craft Axe in Lincoln while in college. And today he beat the previous record of 75 feet by throwing it 90 feet. It feels good. It took me a couple throws. I think they were losing some confidence maybe, but I finally nabbed it. So 
Uh, now I have the record, so 90 feet's the new one. Uh, just I want to thank the Nebraska Sports Council and everybody at the Cornhusker State Games. This has been an incredible opportunity. That was so awesome to watch in person. It really is a lot harder than it looks just from that video. Congrats, Jesse, on breaking that world record. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, that's some weird news for you. Um, apparently, it, it's 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 hard it's hard to duplicate news. I mean, that's that's one of those things where anytime you come across something like this that can be it, it's it's unexpected and it requires some sort of a really precise and and specific feat of athleticism that's really difficult to duplicate. It's one of those things that actually sort of, especially if it's something new, that's a Guinness record. It's like, it's almost like, why isn't this an Olympic sport? Why isn't this an actual sport? You know what I mean? I don't know. It strikes me that, it strikes me that axe throwing would be a more interesting thing to watch at the Olympics than say curling. I don't know. No offense to curling, but, or, you know, or fans of that particular sport, but axe throwing to a target seems like, you know, that seems like a little bit more of a, a sport than curling. <laughs> but anyway, humble opinion. I could be wrong. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, this and all the other topics that we're covering tonight, don't forget, are linked in the description down below. Feel free to click through to that if you'd like to read further on this and all the other topics that we've been discussing so far tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in to Weekend Showcase Weird News Headlines on Sunday night, live on YouTube, as well as on Instagram at Weekend Showcase. Please feel free to drop a comment in either place, YouTube or Instagram, and I'll be able to read some of your feedback off live on the air. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Like Miss D, for example, with an axe skill like that, you could take somebody out and get away with it if you wore gloves. Wouldn't want to make him... <laughs> okay. Um, easy with the hyperbole there. Good grief. Um, uh, Ms. D, geez. Um, but thank you for the comment. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to the next item on the docket here. Um, let's see. Okay. So next item, and then we have four more before the top of the show. Uh, next is again from the mirror. Tattoo artist makes dire spelling mistake mid-ink. Good grief. Come on, magnify. What's wrong with you? Here we go. Tattoo artist makes dire spelling mistake mid-ink, but comes up with a good save. Uh, let's see. So what happens if you make a spelling mistake on something well, more permanent than pen and paper? That's the conundrum one tattoo artist faced when she realized she made a massive error when inking a simple two-word phrase onto a client's ribs and had to think on her feet to fix the tattoo and keep the customer happy. Emily McCollum, age 20, was tattooing the words divine feminine when her dyslexia got the better of her. Oh, no. And she noticed she'd actually written femimne instead. F-E-M-I-M-N-E. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. On the tattoo? Good grief. Um, okay. We have, a, we have a TikTok video attached to this, but it looks like it didn't really load into here. But... Uh, Oh yeah, it's it's unavailable. Probably the original poster already took it down. Well, you can probably find like the the clip from TikTok probably resourced somewhere else. You can probably find that elsewhere, but you you can get the starting point with the actual link to this particular topic which is listed in the description down below at the bottom of this video. Um the story goes on. And rather than leave her client with misspelt ink, Emily decided to fix the mistake by inking a red rose behind the part of the word she had spelt wrong, covering up the error and adding an extra touch to the tattoo. In a video shared to TikTok on Emily's account, the artist recorded a voice asking herself, 
Emily, why did you put a rose there? To which she then responded, because I'm dyslexic and spelt feminine instead of feminine. It's fair, honest. And in the caption of the video, Emily from the US declared she has tried to avoid word tattoos ever since she made the mistake so that no one else suffers the same fate with their inkings. Yeah. Man, commenters on the video, however, have praised the artist for her quick thinking, as many of them said she was able to save the tattoo and stop her client from regretting the ink. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, This is so this is the tattoo in question. Those of you with ink, is this something that, uh, that you think is a good idea to, to try as far as how to salvage a tattoo? What are your thoughts on this topic? Maybe shoot us a comment in the live chat. Uh, I thought we had another comment on. Here it is. Brain Spaz saying, the artist was lucky, not a bad save at all. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that worked out. That's one of those things that's weird news could have ended a lot worse. It could have ended a lot worse. It really could have. So that's definitely a, a positive resolution there. Let's move on. Next item on the docket. Let's see. Here we go. This is again from the mirror. Mortified couple apologizes after. Oh, goodness. Come on. Come on, thank you. Mortified couple apologizes after grenade. Wow, donated to a museum, forces mass evacuation. Oh no, okay. This was published on in the mirror four days ago. Let's see. Officers were called to Castletown D-Day Center in Dorset after 12 noon last Wednesday, presumably local time, 12 noon last Wednesday, after Derek and Deborah Morgan handed in a grenade as a possible donation. It is believed that the grenade was then placed inside a tank as staff called police officers and explosive ordnance disposal to attend the scene. As a result, Castletown was closed by police for several hours as police erected a 50-meter cordon. Residents and business owners were also blocked from entering the area. Uh, wow. Yep, they got to be careful. They got to be careful. Uh, she was confident that the grenade was... Oh, hang on a second. Um, Mrs. Morgan, who was on holiday from Exeter, visited the museum with her husband when they offered the grenade as a donation to the D-Day Center. She was confident that the grenade was deactivated, yet the device caused the police and explosive ordnance disposal team to be called. So I'm just going to read this first, like, quote and a half here. An apologetic Deborah told Dorset Life, quote, My husband was left some war artifacts and medals by his father after he passed away. He had always been informed that the grenade had been made safe. We visited the DA Museum last year and said that we would return this year and donate the grenade. This, as I say, was done in all innocence, and we are absolutely mortified about the disruption and trouble it caused, especially to the museum, the local traders, the people on the cruise liner, other holidaymakers, and of course, to the people of Weymouth, end quote. Uh, yeah, this is, man, it should go without saying, it should go as no surprise that this particular situation resolved in this way. Thankfully, you know, it, it, it's, um, this seems to have come to a decent resolution. Um, let me see. Where is it? I'm trying to find the end of this to make absolutely certain here. Okay, so I'm just gonna skip to the end here. A spokesman for Castletown D-Day Center said, quote, a World War II British hand grenade was brought into Castletown da, 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 da. Sorry, sorry, I'm reading a quote, I'm sorry. A World War II British hand grenade was brought into Castletown D-Day Center by a member of the public as a donation. To be safe, we immediately alerted the relevant authorities who took the safety precautions witnessed earlier today before the grenade was safely taken away by the Royal Naval Explosive Ordnance Department to be dealt with in a controlled manner, end quote. Yeah, so there's your, there's your positive resolution there. 
Luckily, uh, at least according to this story, so far it seems no one was no one was harmed, and it it was in fact inert. So there you go. Um, man, that's crazy. What's uh, what's the craziest thing that you've ever seen? Those of you who have had you know trips to a museum or you know tourist traps or other areas like that. Um, what's the weirdest, strangest, craziest thing that you've ever seen? Uh, maybe drop a drop a comment in the live chat or in the comment section down below and let us know what what comes to your mind. Maybe. Uh, we can like joke around about that for a hot minute, maybe. I don't know, hopefully. Um, anyway, let's move on. We have three items left on the docket, about eight minutes left until the top of the hour. Next item is from allthatsinteresting.com. This seems sort of like a natural segue from that last topic. Speaking of World War II, a French soldier looted Hitler's gold watch. Now it could fetch up to $4 million at auction. Interesting. Um, so on May 4, 1945, a French unit, the Regiment de Marche, sorry, hold on a second, the Regiment de Marche du, du Chad, I think I pronounced that right, stormed Adolf Hitler's Bavarian mountain hideoff, the Bergolf, just ahead of American troops. They found the home abandoned, but many personal belongings remained inside, including a wristwatch. Sergeant Robert Mignot was with the regiment that day. As French soldiers began looting the property for symbolic war prizes, Mignot came across a personalized gold watch bearing the, bearing the initials A.H. The watch had belonged to none other than Adolf Hitler himself. Whoa. After Mignot found the watch, he took it back with him to France and later sold it to his cousin. The watch has remained in the possession of the Mignot family ever since. Now Hitler's gold watch is featured at the Historical Militaria and Autographs Auction, put on by Alexander Historical Auctions in Maryland, with an estimated price of 2 to $4 million. And then the story goes on. Due to his abhorrent misdeeds before and during World War II, Adolf Hitler is one of history's most infamous figures. Better or worse, this makes anything linked to Hitler exceedingly valuable to collectors of historical artifacts. Again, this was uh, posted on allthatsinteresting.com on July 28th was the original published date. It's worth noting that the story was updated the next day, July 29. Uh, what would that have been? Friday, on Friday. So yeah, this is one of those things that, man, I don't know that, the, <laughs> this this strikes me as like just not worth anything to me personally. Like I don't, uh, this, this this doesn't, I don't, I can't imagine how it could it could really I don't know who would actually I don't know what who would actually pay let alone that much money you know for something like that you know iconography of of that you know <laughs> Nazi memorabilia is one of those things that it's always it's always disturbing you know what to come across in you know in real life and, you know, even sometimes, depending on the context of how it's presented in like documentaries or in films outside of a very specific historical context, like period films, you know, uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan, obviously, probably one of the biggest examples of, of that uh, Band of Brothers, you know, um, <laughs> Schindler's List, you know, you, there are very specific contexts with which um, it's it kind of is par for the course to encounter certain imagery, certain iconography, um, and 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 such. I I can't believe this survived long enough to exist 
in 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 an auctionable state and i can't believe that the price tag is that high i'm really you know really off put by that that's 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 that i'm going to put as bizarre news quite frankly but anyway what what do you think those of you at home watching this is this uh what what are your thoughts on this particular auction on this particular item um drop us a comment down below um and make sure that bear in mind we try not to um put forth things that are um you know we try not to put forth personal politics or religion and stuff like that on this show so we try to keep things as focused on the actual like subject matter that we're actually discussing try to keep this as clean as possible we don't want to like create another like you know thing youtube comment sections can tend to be pretty toxic if guidelines are not very carefully enforced so that's why we do that sorry but anyway is what it is anyway let's move on next item on the docket is from upi Crooked road lines painted on California road baffle residents. Okay. Crooked road lines. Why are they crooked? What? Uh, okay. It's two sets of double lines. For those listening on the, on the audio podcast version of this episode, I'm looking at a, an image of two double lines, you know, because you have um, the double lines, the double yellow lines in the middle of the road signify that you can't... Um, you, you can't change lanes for the purposes of passing the car, the vehicle in front of you. You have to stay on your side of the road. There are two sets of yellow lines running in parallel to each other and are actually mirror images of each other in terms of how they wiggle on the road. It's, it's a very bizarre appearance here, and, and, and you should probably check it out, those of you who are able to click through to the actual YouTube link to see the link in the description down below that'll take you to this particular YouTube video to see this for yourself. This is, this is crazy. Um, there's a YouTube video here. I'm going to play this. Let's see what they have to say. Some new road lines in Hollister are confusing drivers. Take a look at this. These crooked lines, they are real. They are located on Ladd Lane. These lanes were supposed to be curved to slow down traffic and accommodate bikers, but they didn't come out as planned. The city tried to change the lanes from four lanes to two lanes, adding center circles and bike lanes. Their goal to stop drag racing, a common problem on the roads. Contractors are going back starting Monday to try and fix the roads at no additional cost to the taxpayers. I saw it. Okay, no, 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 no. I no. home from work and I thought, whoa, this is the strangest thing I've Hold seen. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> crud. Basically, it just comes down to the contractor. Uh, somebody didn't read the plans correctly. Uh, it was not designed I to look like that. I don't Very know why. The mayor says this oh needs to get this fixed as soon as possible. Okay, we have a technical issue here. Hang on one second. Stopping <laughs> drag racing and creating safer streets. For Sorry about that. We have a minor technical issue here. I'm trying to figure out how to get back to the, the other in private window here. Oh, darn it. This thing is not letting me get back to the other window. That's a problem. Um, hmm, interesting. Well, um, let me see if I can fix this really quickly. And there we go. Meanwhile, um, what are your thoughts on this particular subject material, the, this, the winding road that you saw there? Because first of all, my immediate reaction to that is very straightforward. How in the world can you have a thing where you're, you're discouraging uh, drag racing, the story said, and your way to do that 
at taxpayers' expense is by making double road lines, making parallel, um, awkwardly positioned and drawn lines, divider lines in the middle of the road, as though that's going to stop drag racing. If you're doing that, you know you're breaking lots of traffic laws. You know you're 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 going to be dealing with the law to a pretty serious degree if you do that. Do you really think altering the way in which the lines, the parallel lines at the, on the pavement on the road are drawn is going to discourage that necessarily? I mean, we've all seen this is an oversimplification, but like we've all seen the Fast and Furious films. We know that it's possible to just basically block off traffic you know, and, and just have that stretch of road to be able to work with. They don't pay attention to the, they don't pay attention to the lane dividers like that. You would have to put a straight up median in there and it'd have to be a high enough median that it would wreck the bottom of one of these, these racers vehicles, basically, you know, in order to discourage it. You're not going to discourage behavior like that with a different pattern of paint on the road. Like, I don't, I don't think that's an intelligent way to do that at all. Quite frankly, I don't, I don't know, but that's just that's just my personal opinion. What do you guys think? Uh, those of you at home uh, who are watching along the on YouTube or on Instagram at Weekend Showcase, is that something that you think is a good idea to do in the name of creating a safer driving environment for people? Maybe sound off in the comments section or in the live stream chat feed and let us know what you think. Um, let's see. The We have comments here, actually, by the way. Let me go ahead and pull that up here. Uh, whoops. Here we are. Ah, come on, come on, come on. All right. So MB says, if that person slash team is still employed, I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, honestly, me too. Um, Ms. D says, they must have been very high to do that to the road, but they were laughing the whole time. I could see that. I could see that. Um, I, anyway, whatever. Uh, that's bizarre. Almost as bizarre as this next item on the docket. This is our last story of the night. It's uh, 7.02 on the East Coast. We're about to shut this down right now. This is our last item from the mirror. Let's see. Which says, K-pop fans plastic surgery themed wedding after divorcing a cardboard cutout. What? A plastic surgery obsessed K-pop fan claims they married their partner in front of a topless priest just six months after divorcing a cardboard cutout. Okay, um, <laughs> Ollie London, age 32, is obsessed with the group BTS, <laughs> of course, right? And says they are paying for their new partner to go under the knife to look just like a band member. The Brit, who currently identifies as non-binary, and their partner, Danny Richardson, 19, married at an extravagant ceremony in central London last month, as the pair both enjoy having surgery. What? How do you enjoy having surgery? Their big day had a plastic surgery theme with the service ordained by a topless priest. Oli claims the couple were formally married at a registry office in late June before holding the extraordinary ceremony. Uh, this is the third time they've their singing here with a topless priest the day after. Um, I don't know about if it's a good idea to scroll down any further. I don't know who else is in that particular image here, but um, this is because we can't we can't show anything. Um, uh, inappropriate, like NSFW on this particular channel, but it's, it's, I can't imagine being so in, being, being, being so infatuated, I'm not, I'm not sure if infatuated is the right word, to have such a strong fandom of anything, 
that either you or your significant other would go under the knife deliberately to look like that individual or any one of those individuals comprising what you're a fan of. I don't, that seems to be a level of fandom that is beyond me to even fully understand. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, Stabs the excess. Guess everyone's got their own taste in love. I mean, but we're not talking about, we're not talking about the marriage though. We're not talking about, um, we're not talking about either of the two people involved here. We're like, I'm mainly trying to figure out the logic behind the headline here classic surgery themed wedding where the where the part where this person's partner is having an operation deliberately to look like a band member from bts i don't i i don't i don't get that um let's see angry cupcake says what <laughs> steps the x says um congratulations aqua bubble hey welcome welcome way too extreme is what aqua bubble says Brainspaz says, wait, what? Divorced at cardboard cutout surgery to look like somebody else? Somebody might need therapy badly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I take your point, Brainspaz. Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably a larger context involved here further down, but I hesitate to scroll down any further because I don't know for sure um, the nature of the photographs that are included with this because apparently this ceremony involved a topless priest. I don't know in what context that adjective topless is being assigned here. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and leave this here and emphasize that if you're curious and want to read further into this or any of the other topics that we've had tonight, please feel free to check out the description down below at the bottom of this video. And uh, you can actually check out the links for yourself and read further at your convenience. Um, MB says, Octomine was so obsessed with Angelina Jolie, she got multiple surgeries to look like her. That's actually a good point, MB. I actually had forgotten about that. Um, it's not, so I guess that's one takeaway from this. This is not new. This thing is not new. This sort of thing has been done before. Yes, there have been fans that have gone to this degree to express their fandom, or in this case, sort of involve the relationship or the marriage in the context of this of the fandom, which presumably is very much shared by both people. So there you go. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know of any other way to make sense of this, quite frankly. I don't I don't know. This is this strikes me as a little a beyond above and beyond my pay grade in more than one sense of the term, because plastic surgery ain't free or cheap. So anyway, more power to you know, congratulations to the happy couple, but Man, okay, let's uh let's move on. Um, that is our last item on the docket. So that is a wrap for this week's headlines. What was your favorite topic tonight? Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Hmm, my favorite one was probably the big bunny, one of the first ones that we did tonight. Um, the the gigant the big bunny that was rescued, and uh, you know, amongst a bunch of other rabbits that were that were found and rescued by what was it, the RSPCA, I believe it was. And it, it's always it's always good to see, you know, examples of humaneness in the world, you know, um, given the current state of the world. You know, it's very it, it's good to be reminded that that is still very much a thing that we as humanities are capable of doing, you know. So um, that was I'm happy to have seen that. That was my favorite topic for the night. Um, what was your favorite topic tonight? Drop a comment down below to continue the convo. And feel free to visit any of our social pages. We're at Weekend Showcase pretty much everywhere, including TikTok. And we will see you 
right here. Same bad time, same bad, well, no, not same time, excuse me, but the same bad channel, absolutely. This coming Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific for another new trailer reaction show with the latest and craziest movie and TV and or video game trailers from the last week, or I should say from the week ahead, because it's not even Monday yet. But anyway, I hope to see you then. For now, my name is Don. Thanks so much for watching and spending some time with me on this Sunday evening. Please be safe. I hope you had a great weekend. Showcase you later. Good night.